well, hello everyone. Uh, I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And welcome to Hawkeyes. Authentic knowledge and feelings. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. You want a little cliff that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead, it's like. Whoa. But I'm really not funny. No, no. And we should have a Today, we are joined by a wonderful guest. You may know him from his podcast, Contra Zoom. It's Dakota Arsenault. Hey. Hey. Uh, thanks for joining us. This is um, very, very fun and exciting to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm just glad you guys finally opened up your submissions for fans being on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were very lucky to, lucky to be included on an episode, a couple episodes. I was on a couple episodes of your show. Um, mm-hmm. Very fun. So, yeah, we'd love to know to know how you feel about Ethan Hawke. Like, what's your relationship with him and his films? I feel like that's such a weighty question. Um, I feel like, like a lot of people were sort of dismissive of him from the start, whether for various reasons, either they didn't like his acting style or he was just kind of a, a pretty face without a ton of substance. But as his kind of career has gone on, I've really started to appreciate him more and be able to go back as earlier films, maybe ones that I didn't see or had seen before, and be able to kind of like reappraise him and like listening to your show I, I i don't know i don't want to put words in your mouth but i sometimes feel that you guys were, were sort of in a similar boat or at least some of your guests were where you weren't as huge and now that you're going back you're able to kind of see what we see now and like why didn't we notice this at the beginning mm-hmm, definitely yeah 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 yeah, yeah I, mean, I think he's one of those actors that you know you kind of don't appreciate until you really think about it Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people kind of had that experience, like seeing him in Reality Bites in the, you know, in the 90s and just thinking like, oh, he's just that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, as he's progressed, he's definitely had like a lot of like varied roles and he's brought a lot to mm-hmm. all of them, I think, actually. I think for me, it kind of took the the before movies to really be able to appreciate him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are those yeah. your favorite Ethan Hawke performances? I would I would probably say so. I I love Boyhood as well, um, but so it's a bit of a toss-up between the two of them. But yeah, probably probably the first two before movies are my my favorite Hawk mm-hmm. performances. Mm-hmm. I saw that you were just covering A twenty four movies on your podcast. Um, do you have any feelings about First Reformed? I love it. I you know I actually forgot that. Scratch that. First Reformed <laughs> is my first is my favorite Ethan Hawke performance. Oh wow, uh, that's yes. a movie I I'm I'm a huge fan of and. I had a guest on, we were ranking our, our favorite Ethan, uh, A24 movies, but I set up the conceit that once a movie has been picked, the other person can't pick it. Oh. Mm-hmm. So he picked First Reformed like second or th- third overall, and he's he was significantly younger. I think he was only 18 or 19 years old. I was like, oh, there's no way he's seen First Reformed. I'll be able to sneak that in at like number seven or number eight and be able to get that as like a good end pick. And sure enough, he picked it pretty early I, I was very disappointed that i didn't get to say that's that's one of my favorite a24 movies mm-hmm. well, what was your what was your top pick 
Mine was uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Okay. Oh, I nice. I haven't watched one. that one yeah. yet. It's been on my watch list forever. I'm hearing that a lot where they're like, oh, yeah, I, I think I've heard of that one. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, cool. Uh, had you, so today we're talking about Cymbeline. Um, had you heard of this movie before uh, diving into it? Not, not only had I never heard of it, I've never even heard of this Shakespearean play. Yeah. Which is interesting. Same. Same. I was not familiar with it either. I, yeah, I said this to Jonathan, we watched this movie a couple nights ago, and when we were done, I was like, I was not expecting this to be Shakespeare, because I had never heard of it, (laughs) the movie or the play, and, um, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like, and I did no research on it before going into it. Cause, like, I had just seen images from it. And I was like, oh, it's like a gritty action movie with Ethan Hawke <laughs> and Dakota Johnson, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then it was Shakespeare suddenly. And I kind of feel like sometimes you need to get into that headspace before you engage with Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not in that headspace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll do a little, I guess, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff when you were talking about different movies that you were, were upcoming shows. Uh, I watched all the trailers, and so I watched this one, and I didn't understand that it was a Shakespearean one. I just thought it was sort of like a... I don't want to say like Sorkin, but that sort of like elevated language where, you know, the text is, is so key to telling the story. I was like, oh, it's just sort of like a, a high-text language sort of movie. And I didn't... Not until I was, like, about to watch it, I was like, oh, this is a Shakespeare adaptation right over my head. Yeah. Yeah, it took me it took me like even after they did the thing where they're like introducing the characters and they said like king of even after that I was like, "Oh, that's kind of an interesting choice." And mm-hmm. then like once they started talking, I was like, oh, "Okay, I think I know where this is going." Yeah, for sure. Um have you seen uh Ham- Hamlet the 2000? years ago i think i was probably in high school it was probably like english class we had probably just read it and they're like and uh-huh. here's the last movie version of it that just came out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because this is by the same director as uh, michael amarada and um mm-hmm. it's uh definitely like it's spiritually very similar uh you know a modern day adaptation of a shakespeare play um with some kind of stuff that doesn't totally make sense in a modern setting i would say <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah i just feel like hamlet 2000 is one that like a lot of people like cite as either their favorite ethan hawk movie or like their favorite shakespeare adaptation often and um i've like just truly never heard anyone talk about cymbeline <laughs> i think a f- i think there yeah. are a few things to that first i think that the there is something just so like you know him with the hat walking through the blockbuster oh yeah like there's like, because it's in that time it's so yeah y2k yeah yeah and also because everyone knows hamlet yeah that's true and, and this is i i have never heard of this play before mm-hmm. maybe for a reason i don't now know I- <laughs> <laughs> now i don't know if this is the same for you but i, I find for myself like i love shakespeare and i love you know going to the theater and seeing these things but I, I find it usually helps having a bit of a base knowledge about what the, you know, the general outline of the plot is. So that way you can kind of, if you miss a couple lines or you don't quite get what they're, what they're talking about, uh, it helps to be able to have that frame of reference. 
like um, you know, if you see Hamlet or something, you know it's like, oh yeah, it's a prince. His father died. He's haunted. He's trying to overthrow the new king. Blah blah blah. Great. I know the the basic outline. I can kind of go into the movie. I can figure it all out from there. This I, I definitely had to kind of stop it a couple times. I had Wikipedia open at the same time to be able to try to follow along a little bit, just because there were some issues when, especially since the fact that they're trying to modernize it and make it for what they are today basically it was it was a little bit tricky at times to really grasp some of the concepts that were going on for me i don't know if you felt the same way yeah yeah, yeah I, think, I think that makes sense i think that's a good idea actually to like have an idea of what the story is before going in yeah kind Especially, of like in high school when you have the version of a uh, shakespeare play that has like the modern english yeah, on yeah, one yeah, side yeah, and yeah. the shakespeare on the <laughs> oh, other yeah, side like the cliff notes version yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure um yeah and i did think i mean you know we should probably get into the plot at some point but um i thought it was interesting like all of the actors i felt had like completely different approaches to playing shakespeare which was i think part of the difficulty in the translation was that they weren't all like kind of they they didn't maybe have the same direction or they didn't have the same approach to it um but i thought that like dakota johnson and penn badgley actually were like the easiest to understand what was going on with them the way that they were like acting like you even though the language is a little difficult like you could clearly tell what was going on with them and what they meant and i felt with like a lot of the other characters it was sometimes hard to get past the shape like the way that they were performing it Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah which I one, actually which one really Badgley? agree. Um, Penn Badgley, he's um, Dan from Gossip Girl. <laughs> he was no, the. the <laughs> I know he's um, he's posthumous. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's the edgy skater boy. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had actually dismissed Penn Badgley as an actor, and I thought he gave a terrific performance, probably the best in the whole movie. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's like a really underrated actor. I haven't seen You. It's like that Lifetime Netflix show where he's a stalker, but I've heard that he's actually really good in that. Um, mm. And I I have also seen him in like a really bad remake of The Stepfather. I don't know if you know that. Like it's like a 70s like uh, thriller movie, but there was a really bad remake in like 2011 or something that Penn Badgley was in, and that was also kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think he's like, he's like a good actor. I like him. And Dakota Johnson, of course. I mean, I think she's great. Um, yeah, I was mostly on board with her. The only, there was like only a couple scenes, like when she was crying in the diner. I know we'll get into that a little bit more, but that was, I, I felt was a little too over the top. Oh yeah. Yeah. And as far as an actor that didn't work for me, it was Ed Harris. He was just like way too over the top chewing the scenery for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, so at the beginning, we get this kind of, like, text introduction, and it cuts between, like, text, and then they show who each of the character is, yeah. and so we see, like, the king, and then it's Ed Harris, and the queen is Mila Jovovich, and um, uh, their daughter is Imogen, who's played by Dakota Johnson, um, and she is married to the penniless Penn Badgley, which I thought was funny, um, posthumous. Uh, and I, yeah, this is where I wrote down feels very Shakespeare before I knew that it was Shakespeare. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And you can kind of see like the vibe that he's going for almost immediately. I mean, so the King is like in this movie is the leader of like a biker gang. Um, and we see Dakota Johnson and Penn Badgley and they like meet covertly behind a, 
um, behind the bleachers at a school, you know, so we know when and where <laughs> this is. Um, yeah. Um, and then, you know, very classic Shakespeare. And I was reading a review actually about this movie that said that Cymbeline was like a later Shakespeare play that kind of felt like he was stealing a lot of ideas from his earlier plays or recycling. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like classic Shakespeare, like the father is like splitting them up uh, for some reason. That wasn't really totally yeah, clear I actually, to me. I wrote I wrote down something very similar. I thought about that. I was like, this. Uh, we'll get into a bit more, but there was elements of this that really reminded me of Romeo and Juliet. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what the timeline is of this, so I looked it up. And Cymbeline, they think they're, they're not sure exactly when it was written, but the first time it was produced for theaters was in 1611. But Romeo and Juliet uh, came out in 1597. So it was 14 years earlier. And so it definitely kind of seems like it's a bit of a, I don't want to give too much away, but basically it's like Romeo and Juliet with a happier ending. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. And like misunderstanding plays a large role in this, you know, as well. And uh, like, yeah, there's just all these tropes that are just so like, you could really pull them from every other Shakespeare. Uh, the bard play. got soft. The bard got soft. <laughs> Well, if he was a he or if he was even one person, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh, yeah. And then I wrote down um, another Shakespeare adaptation with uh, the original dialogue. You hate to see it. I got to I got to be honest. This is not it's just not my mm -hmm. not my not my genre. I didn't I famously am like the one of the only people that doesn't like hamlet 2000 mm -hmm. i didn't care for it i think it's fun that all those people were in the same movie but it's just like not for me um but you're yeah. more a 10 things i hate about you person a little bit yeah uh, that one's even not one of my favorite movies of all time which i'm gonna get some shit for from some people that i know listen to this podcast <laughs> um but yeah yeah I, I yeah i do definitely prefer the like adapting the language as well i think that's more helpful i don't yeah mm. yeah just me though <laughs> no i mean i i don't really yeah I, I i never had that strong of a connection to shakespeare so i i don't really you know i like i enjoy like romeo plus juliet because i think that like the mm -hmm. camp element is so yeah is and so i feel like this movie draws a lot from romeo plus juliet right but mine is the like what? the aesthetic yeah splendor of it you know yes um yeah so i'm not sure why it's relevant i wonder if it's like in the play but it's clearly halloween when this is happening um yeah, that was odd yeah like there are kids in costumes out on the street and uh there's like candy everywhere mm. and like little jack-o-lanterns filled with candy um yeah and then I don't know and there's someone who's like has who's like an adult who walks past the kids and i wasn't sure if that was maybe anton yelchin um during that part but yeah anton yelchin is in this movie i love him rest in peace um it was very exciting to see him in this and it makes a lot of sense to me but that he would be mila jovovich's son like i immediately <laughs> was there i was like okay um yeah so he's like the stepbrother to imogen dakota johnson and they're supposed to be married, but she's already married Penn Badgley, but Penn Badgley has been sent away, mm -hmm. essentially, is what's going on. Um, 
Yeah, and I did want to say that Mila Jovovich is not part of the Ethan Hawke cinematic universe so far, but she was in Dazed and Confused, which is a Richard Linklater film. So I do oh, feel that she's part of I the larger family. Yeah. Two um, degrees of separation. Yeah, she's in this really great scene in Dazed and Confused. I feel like as much as possible, I tried to bring up Dazed and Confused on this show, and I've uh, probably almost explained the entire movie in parts. Mm-hmm. But um, or that and Twilight. That and Your Twilight. Biggest reference points. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, with Dazed and Confused, you know, you have the Linklater connection, but Twilight is just all you. <laughs> yeah, Twilight is just good. I don't know what to say. Um, but yeah, there's this great scene in Dazed and Confused where Mila Jovovich is. She's like singing and she's like on the back of uh, like she's sitting on top of a car singing Mm. and they're talking about how Martha Washington like uh, farmed marijuana for George Washington (laughs) and she always had a bowl (laughs) ready for him at the end of a long day. (laughs) I thought that was fun. It's a great movie. Um, But we're talking about a bit of an interesting connection with Mila Jovovich because for that. Uh, I was reading that she had gotten married secretly when during the filming of Days and Confused. So she was, I think, like 16 or 17 at oh, the wow. time. And then, Isn't yeah, it? and then her parents found out afterwards, both sets of parents, and they made them get it annulled. So they were only married for a few days with one of her co-stars in that. I can't, I don't remember who it is, but it's like one of the minor characters. Wow, that's wild. Uh, that's That's like cool. Romeo and Juliet in Cymbeline style. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. All yeah. connected. Um, maybe that's why she felt called to this role. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So we, shortly after this, we see, um, Penn Badgley posthumous meets Ethan Hawke, whose name I cannot for the life of me remember. It's like Iacchio or something. something. I-L something. It's, it's, it's like Iago from Othello, but not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think they ever, like, actually say it. I think they say it, like, once at the very beginning when he's introduced, but it happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. And he's never referred to by name again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Penn Badgley comes in and meets him, and Ethan Hawke was just getting a haircut. Uh, and they make a weird bet that... So Penn Badgley bets his ring for $10,000 or, you know, gold or whatever um, from Ethan Hawke that uh, that Ethan, Ethan Hawke says that he can fuck Dakota Johnson, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and and Penn Badgley's like, no, she's like devoted to me. And also she's like chased and she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't do that. Um, but Ethan Hawke's like, OK, listen, if you're right, I'll give you this $10,000. But if I'm right, you give me a ring. And, um, then, yeah, so then it, like, that leads to this whole weird plot line where Ethan Hawke, like, sneaks into her house, and, well, first they meet, they actually meet, and he tries to come on to her, just, like, straightforward, come on to her, but... You might as well try that way first. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but then she refuses him. Because she's married to Posthumus and just isn't interested. So then he's like, oh, can I store... I have this gift for Posthumus. Can I store it here for the night? And it's this giant trunk. And then when she's asleep, he, like, comes out of the trunk. The, the, the it was He was in there. And then he takes all of these, like, photos of her while she's sleeping. And it's just... Uh, yikes it's real it's a real uh consent is mandatory ethan kind of moment yeah like i know that you know the me too movement had not happened when this movie came out (laughs) but like 
you know, they were by 2014, by, you know, the 1700s. <laughs> there's like certain <laughs> things about like what is cool and not cool and like that's just jeez, man. Yeah, I mean, and I wonder though how it was how how it was actually originally written because you know of course there's no like smartphones in in the in Shakespeare yeah you know and um yeah like I mean I guess he would have just like gone into her room and then like seen that she had like this like mole on her breast and then said like oh I know that yeah I was I was trying to like read a little bit of the plot um from the play and that's what it was it's just that he saw oh just that he saw that Yeah. yeah that just feels like so sometimes in Shakespeare like the I mean I think it's the fragile male ego is really what I'm gonna say um allows for these like kind of tenuous things to work Mm -hmm. uh because it's it just seemed like a little bonkers and we know that Ethan Hawke has photoshop skills because earlier we see him with the iPad he shows uh Imogen these photos of Penn Badgley with another woman but then he's like oh no 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 I'm just kidding like he still loves you he's not cheating on you look I photoshopped all of these pictures yeah so, so weird. I don't know I don't know what can so you do So I have do? a question for you then Yeah like very clearly, I think this movie tries to position position his character as being a bit of a creep. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of off the top of my head of any movies that Ethan Hawke has done where he kind of plays this sort of like creepy dude. Is there any that you have seen so far that is somewhat similar? Because it seems very outside his normal casting. Mm. I think tape, it's, maybe. Tape, yeah. Yeah, he's not... He's creepy in a different way in it that is, one. Yeah, not like in like a sexual way, but in a like manipulative yeah like, yeah and, and he's like committed to the um to the uh uh wife beater look yeah in that one as well yeah and i think like the only <laughs> other thing i could that really immediately comes to mind and he, again he's not really like a creep in this but um he's just kind of like weird and not helpful in um joe the king where he plays like a teacher. Oh, what about Rich in Love? Oh, oh yeah. No, no. Uh, I'm thinking of. Uh... We've seen so many Ethan Hawke movies. <laughs> it's yeah. it's so hard to. Um... It, but it sort of it sort of seems like it's going against casting a little bit. Like he yeah, plays the so. bumbling intellectual most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not so much the sort of creeper or skeezy guy. Like, I, I think the part that makes it, sh- like, I looked it up in the age difference between Ethan Hawke and Dakota Johnson, I think it's something like 19 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think they try to play up that aspect of this is a, a creepy older dude clearly hitting on what is someone that's just out of being a teenager at most. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it was, yeah, he's definitely too old for her. Um yeah, I guess there's really not... Yeah, he hasn't really played this kind of character before. What doesn't kill you, maybe a little bit. He <sighs> sleeps with some young women in that, but, like, uh-huh. they're adults, uh-huh. you know? Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I guess that's the only other thing I can think of that we haven't actually talked about on the podcast yet, but Maggie's plan. He's just kind of, like, a shitty husband in that. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. <laughs> 
Iachimo. That's the character's Iachimo. name. Iachimo. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a mouthful. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, meanwhile, while this Ethan Hawke plotline plot is going on, there's also something going on with Mila Jovovich where she's getting some like lethal drugs from a veterinarian for some scheme that she has planned um that also wasn't super clear um and there's also something going on with the police so it's like the in the original it's like a king of a kingdom and also like the romans are the police in this yeah and so um they it does actually translate pretty well i think here that they have to like make an offering to the police so that they can continue to like do their you know biker gang business i think it's a drug business Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah and one one kind of funny you know and this ties in with the halloween of it all is um they they're like making an offering to the police and then Anton Yelchin dumps a bag of Hershey's Kisses on the poker table between them. <laughs> which that really threw me for a loop. Yeah, I had to think about what was going on. And I was like, are those Hershey's Kisses? Uh, yeah, so, and then he eats one, which I thought was funny. Like a funny way to um, subvert what, you know, because the, they're supposed to be representative of money, I think. Mm-hmm. But then when he eats one, it like subverts that, which I kind of appreciated in an absurdist film kind of way. Um, yeah. And there's also a scene where Mila Jovovich, uh, like performs a song and it reminded me, do you watch Riverdale at all? I do not. You do not? Oh, well, there's a scene in Riverdale where Betty Cooper played by (laughs) Lily Reinhart comes out and she sings, um, Mad World. Uh And she does like this weird, like strip tease to Mad World in front of this like whole biker (laughs) gang. Um, and this does not have a strip tease, but it just really made me think of it because it was just like weird, and oh, everyone yeah. was kind of I emotional in the crowd that, watching. Yeah. You forgot about Mad World? No, no, no. The, the, uh, the scene, scene in the movie. movie. Yeah, there, it's just there was so much. And, like happening. some of them were wearing masks too. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like uh, like in. Um, I feel like that's kind of. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the uh, Mulholland Drive. I don't know if you've seen that the David Lynch movie where. They're like, mm-hmm. she's like singing a song and they're like at a weird place. Mm-hmm. I think that's in the movie. I, I watched that movie like it was like on TV when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen like bits of it before watching it in full. And so there are a lot of things in that movie that feel like I might have like made it up. <laughs> like I dreamt it. <laughs> I mean, everything about that movie feels made yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's such a weird movie that like I'm like when I talk out loud about it, I'm like, this happened right mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah that's what that kind of reminds me of yeah um well if we're just talking about scenes and movies where people sing and it's like kind of weird uh shame that scene with carrie mulligan where she's singing new york new york like uh one of the all-time great uncomfortable singing moments in a movie yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh do you have a favorite singing moment in a movie oh <sighs> Off the top of my head, uh, not one that I can think of. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm usually like I'm I don't want to say I'm against musicals, but for the most part, I'm not a huge musical fan. Oh, interesting. And so, anytime that there's like a musical number that's inserted into a movie that isn't already a musical, I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> 
That's interesting. Didn't you rank Chicago as your number one Academy Award winner? Well, that was for the decade. (laughs) (laughs) Not to call you out. And I feel like I need to add some caveats here. (laughs) Yes, you are currently calling me out. Uh, I had never seen that before. And so my wife and I do them decade by decade. And so we're only looking at them, those 10 movies at a time. And then from there, we're ranking them one through 10. And then I've create this convoluted formula basically to average it out our scores so our average number one was chicago so because my wife had put chicago at number one and i had put chicago at number three but she had ranked it so highly mm-hmm. it ended up being our number one movie of the decade uh beating no country for old men which really disappointed me <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. wow that's fun but i did love chicago it was terrific because it wasn't like other musicals i appreciate that it had its own sort of take on it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's me defending myself (laughs) (laughs) it's a great movie (laughs) pause real quick yeah yeah sorry there's a weird noise in our house jonathan's investigating Uh uh-oh yeah i think it was just the bathroom door swinging open and shut yeah the exorcist and there's weird noises in that house too so that's what you got me thinking about (laughs) you got an exorcist in your house yeah or you know sinister True. It's Mr. Boogie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of Ethan Hawke. Um, uh, oh, yeah. So I didn't mention in that, that trunk scene where he comes out of the trunk in her bedroom. He's like just wearing a tank top and underwear. And yeah. it's just, uh, <laughs> you know, just had to comment on it. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it makes sense if you're going to be stuck inside of a trunk. but Yeah. He knew he was going to get hot and sweaty, like yeah. as little clothes as possible. Yeah. yeah. And also he had to, if he was going to try to like take a selfie with her, you know, like a bed right. selfie. Because yeah. he like does this thing where he like lays his head on the pillow next to her to make it and closes his eyes, which is a weird, like, <laughs> like, well, how would he take a photo of himself if he was sleeping? It's weird. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Both of our eyes are closed. Snap. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Ethan Hawke does convince Penn Badgley that he had sex with Dakota Johnson. And uh, Penn Badgley does not like this. Um, He's, uh, he like really, he's, I think he's like so good in this movie. I don't know. He like really like kind of breaks out into a rage and then like throws his ring. Uh, Yeah, he's upset. He's very upset. Yeah. And then his, the other, who who was the, the other guy was trying to tell him like, maybe this isn't what you think is happening yeah but he doesn't really listen to him yeah um and would that be his purity ring because if she's still chased if that's what we're going on and she's got a matching bracelet are, are those like their jonas brothers purity jewelry <laughs> sort of thing um yeah i guess maybe unless uh, yeah yeah i guess that's what it is, i guess so. they were just like promising promise ring you know yeah that kind of thing <laughs> yeah um yeah, so it's around this time when we get another plot line in this movie because there weren't enough. Yeah. Um. So there's a man named Belarius, played by Delroy Lindo, um, who is an actor that I know from The Good Wife and then subsequently The Good Fight, which I actually haven't watched, but uh, I did like him on The Good Wife, and I'm sure he's just as good on The Good Fight. Um, so he kidnapped Ed Harris's two sons when they were very young and then he raised them as his own, mm-hmm. um, kind of as like survivalist communists out in a cabin yeah. somewhere. Um, 
which is kind of you know uh what's that movie with um vigo with all the kids oh captain yeah mr fantastic captain Captain fantastic Fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah kind of in that style i would say um and yeah so then they're kind of added into the mix and they drink a lot of milk i don't know i always (laughs) notice in movies when people drink a lot of milk yeah i've seen like videos about that and like how you know speaking of no country for old men and like uh clockwork orange it usually comes up as like a to connote creepiness Mm -hmm. typically like seeing a grown man drinking milk is like kind of a subversion of youth or something like that but i wasn't sure what it was supposed to be in this one yeah i don't know yeah usually you didn't follow up with it either Mm -hmm. yeah i think maybe they're just just growing boys (laughs) (laughs) they need calcium yeah i guess and he drank orange juice instead though Mm -hmm, that's true (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah so there's all this stuff that happens i don't know but uh, (laughs) so like uh ultimately john so john leguizamo is also in this movie we should say yes a well noted part of the ethan hawk cinematic universe this is the third one i think wow the third movie they've both been so i remember he was in joe the king yeah and then he was in assault on precinct 13 oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um so john leguizamo is like the like servant handmaiden kind of character Mm -hmm. to dakota johnson um and he says that he's gonna bring her to see pen badgley so Mm -hmm. they can like work things out um and then they end up stopping for chinese food somewhere and um john leguizamo reveals pen badgley's plan for her to die i think he's like pen badgley is so upset that he she cheated on him with ethan hawk that he's gonna he oh he wanted john leguizamo to kill her right he gave him instruction to do that um but john leguizamo is like very loyal to dakota johnson and um he comes up with his own plan for her to disguise herself as a man and fake her own death yeah yeah (laughs) yeah which like i could i this is a not a not a terrible idea i guess except for that dakota johnson like does is you know like very feminine looking even with all of her hair off and even in like a giant jacket like she yeah. still looks yeah she puts you know. like minimal effort yeah into looking she doesn't like a try. Man. like just she just cuts her hair short and then puts on a big jacket yeah but like like gender is a like construct a, but like if you're like trying to disguise yourself as another person she could she try could have done like the facial hair thing or i don't know she could have done something else to to yeah i don't know it was it was funny I feel like that's a throwback to the best picture episode that I did. Shakespeare in Love was also in that decade, mm-hmm. and Gwyneth Paltrow does a similar thing, and she has a terrible boy disguise too, which is basically the same terrible uneven haircut, and then but she at least does like a little pencil mustache that looks completely <laughs> fake and stuck on. But yeah, both of them. I guess that's the Shakespearean boy look of put the girl in the worst possible wig you can find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm um yeah so after she runs off uh disguised oh so she like tries she like slits her arm open yeah she does it the long way 
like the kill yourself yeah way. she does the kill yourself way but then she takes her sweater and covers it up immediately yeah that made no sense to me yeah like it made sense at the very end when they when uh pen badger's character got the sweater covered in blood yes. but at the time it made no sense like was she supposed to be doing like some sort of like blood brother oath or like was she actually trying to kill herself or like what yeah it, it just seems like you you know she could have cut herself a different way to like get to get some blood on the sweater but it's like you cut yourself that way like you're gonna bleed out yeah it was so aggressive it was yeah i kind of chalked it up to like the classic um shakespeare like woman who's not thinking clearly (sighs) kind of thing you know like uh like the ophelia jumping into the moat sort of thing yeah something like that where like you know even if she doesn't really mean it she's just doing it because she's swept up in the emotions that Mm -hmm. she's feeling Mm -hmm. Um, but then, like, immediately realizes that she should go with along with his plan. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then they, she's been missing for, like, a couple days, I guess, when Ed Harris is like, where's my daughter? Mm-hmm. Anton Yelchin, go find her. So then he pulls up her Google search history on her laptop that was not password protected. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and he sees that she was going to whatever this place was that Penn Badgley said. I forget what it was called. Um, and he's going to, and he, he announces that he's going to like kill Penn Badgley in order to win her over, which I don't think he's really thought that through. Yeah. Um, but then also he's like, then goes into this whole soliloquy while he's like masturbating on her bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I, you know, come on Harper chicks love it when you kill their lover. Uh-huh. Classic. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was like really Anton Yelchin. I think he was actually like perfectly cast in this part. Uh Like he's like angsty teen, all black, you know, kind of like edgy, um, like heir to the throne kind of character. Right. Yeah. But wouldn't he be related to her? He's their step siblings. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it works because he's that sort of like heir to the throne that isn't good enough. Yes. Right. Which is, I guess, like a common trope in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we cut back to Dakota Johnson where she's breaking into a house in the woods and we find out that it's Belarius's house. Mm-hmm. Um and uh they give her food and lodging for the night at first the sons like want to you know like kill her yeah but then they also they, they all think that she's a man yes yes i she's didn't get this right as a away man. um this scene was so funny she like she looked, oh, yeah. she's like they're like what's what's her name she didn't bother to think of a name yeah she's like what's her name and then she looks at uh his like he's a wearing shirt. a che guevara, a che guevara shirt. shirt and she's like fidel <laughs> <laughs> like oh yeah yeah you're you're a man named fidel sure uh, why not um yeah so i realized now that ed harris this is apropos of nothing but ed harris and ethan hawk have the same initials and so when i take notes on these movies i use actors mm-hmm. initials um and and you can't read your notes now? i can read my notes i just have to think a little bit about which <laughs> eh i'm talking about <laughs> Yeah. Well, I I purposely was writing DJ instead of writing my own name a million times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. True. Um. Yeah, I wrote DJ as well, yeah. and J Leg for John Leguizamo. 
J leg. J leg, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. That was funny. Um, so, yeah. So, John Leguizamo is the last person who's seen Dakota Johnson alive back at the, the bike gang. And so, they have him, like, locked up naked in a cage. Yeah. Um, and they, like, proceed to torture him for information. They strangle him with a plastic bag and then ultimately, like, let him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if they, he ends up like giving them any information. I don't think so. I don't so. think he does. Um, and then they kill the, who, who does, who do they kill? So one of the boys, one of Belarius's like adopted kidnapped sons, right. um, he sees Anton Yelchin there and they know that he's like the crown prince or whatever. And, um, so we think we he, it cuts away and we hear a gunshot and we think like oh no Anton Yelchin killed this kid right. but actually the boy got to him first and killed him so he decapitates him throws right. his head into the river and then they're just left with the rest of his body that they now have to dispose of yeah and he's wearing like someone else's clothes he's wearing Penn Badgley's shirt yeah, which is important the, yeah the, later. the reason he gets decapitated is relevant to the plot or not the reason but it serves the plot and that yes. she thinks that it's Yes, because Dakota Johnson then tries to kill herself with this poison that John Leguizamo gave her that he had taken from the queen. Uh, and so when she takes it, though, um, they, they find her and she has no pulse and think that she's dead. Um, so then they bury them both together in this kind of like big like rock quarry. Yeah. Um, and they don't do a really good job of burying yeah, they the don't bodies. Bury them. They, they just, just kind like, of like toss them toss over. Toss them in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah um but and throw some flowers on top mm-hmm. yeah. yeah they that won't arouse any suspicion <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they do have a bit of a burial service but then a little bit later we find out dakota johnson's actually alive right um and so she gets up and she crawls out of her body bag mm-hmm. and she sees the beheaded body with her and she assumes it's Penn badgley because anton yelchin was wearing his shirt right right yeah, this is clearly William Shakespeare's coke, period. <laughs> he was doing a lot of coke at this time, and he's just, like, putting all of this stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, and my thing, and again, of course, like, she's full of emotion, not thinking very clearly. Mm-hmm. But if she had thought about it at all, she had that shirt in her bedroom. Like, she was the last person mm-hmm. to have that shirt. Anton Yelchin picked up that T-shirt from her room where it was hanging uh-huh, uh-huh. and put it on. So if she had, like, thought about it, she might have gotten to, you know, to thinking that it wasn't actually Penn Badgley. Right. Because he wouldn't have had the shirt because there's no way he had gone back to the king's house. Right, right, right. Anyway, but that's fine. It's an emotional time. It's an emotional time. Um, And we, you know, see Penn Badgley alive and well. And the cops pick him up and they lay out like the entire story for him in an interrogation room, which is actually pretty helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. And then Ethan Hawke picks uh, Pam Badgley up from the station in a yellow Mustang convertible, which was fun. You know, we'd love to see Ethan Hawke in like an American car. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and very badass yeah it is and it's like very you know it's in the spirit of ethan hawk he's very americana i feel yeah um and 
yeah the motorcycle gang closes in on them while they're driving away pen badgley shoots a guy yeah this was the weirdest like slow speed chase <laughs> yeah ever like the, <laughs> he drives up like slowly next to him and then pen badgley just like slowly loads the gun Mm-hmm. Like everything's just happening, like happening at a very casual kind of pace, except for these like motorcyclists that drive up next to them. And then they're just like, oh, well, and then they start shoot. They shoot the guy. They shoot one of the guys in the van that pulls up and mm-hmm. then the van crashes into the motorcyclists or something. Yeah. So they're down and then there's just like the driver left, basically. Yeah. And um, then Penn Badgley gets out of the car with his hands up and he turns himself in. Yeah. It's just a weird like chase scene Mm -hmm. i have to wonder if it's maybe sort of similar you know i keep bringing it back to romeo and juliet but like that uh the the fight scene that they have at the very beginning of that movie when romeo accidentally kills juliet's cousin that sort of thing where i wonder one of my issues with this movie was i don't think it was actually long enough because it felt like a a lot of the plot was sort of rushed i agree maybe the this this fight that happened in the actual play was a little bit more drawn out and he ends up killing some more important people. Whereas in the movie, he's some nameless henchman basically. But in reality, maybe in the play, he had maybe a bit more of a significant part. That's the only thing I can think of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Everything did feel kind of rushed, even though the movie did track a little bit, but it did feel rushed as well. Um, And I feel like a lot of the scenes were staged. Like they were like in a TV show. Like, not mm-hmm. that they were in a movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the shootout in the parking lot was like, oh, this is an episode of, I don't know, Law & Order or something. You know, like, it didn't feel... It it did feel kind of low budget to it, me. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the rushed feel is they probably were on, like, a pretty tight timeline for mm-hmm. shooting. And I'm sure they spent a lot of the money on the actors. Yes. Yeah, because it's, it's a big it's cast. A big cast. I mean, it's before Dakota Johnson really blew up, like... This was just a little bit before Fifty Shades of Grey came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but Ethan Hawke is a big name. Ed Harris is a big name. John Leguizamo, Mila Jovovich. Like, Mila Jovovich, like, carries a franchise. Like, she's, mm-hmm. like, a huge, like, you know, moneymaker. So, um, and Penn Badgley, fresh off of Gossip Girl, you know. And I'm sure that even if they weren't. It's kind of filled with a whole bunch of it's kind of filled with a whole bunch of people that are like are somewhat notable like you right, recognize right. them whereas like you know most movies with low budgets you'll be like you've got your star and then you've got like your second lead and you're like oh yeah i think i know that person and then everyone else is like i haven't seen literally anything you've ever done whereas this there's probably about like 12 or so people where you're like you yes this person them. is somewhat yeah. recognizable yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the other person i wanted to know we haven't really gotten to him yet but kevin corrigan is also in this movie who he's also a part of the ethan hawk cinematic universe family uh he was in uh chelsea walls mm-hmm. um which was an ethan hawk directed movie um and then also bill pullman's in this movie right yeah i was looking just at the one yeah just scene, like one yeah. scene yeah and he's penn badgley's deceased ghost father i also recognize the cop too the the, the cop, chief of police yes guy. i can't think of what i know him I from. yeah i didn't know what i know him from either but i saw him i like immediately recognized him i'm like that guy's super familiar yeah let's let's look him up real quick yeah yeah, he definitely has one of those faces. Uh, he was in Romeo and Juliet, the the Leo version. Oh, really? Uh, oh, okay. I, yeah, I just saw him in Harriet. I don't know if you guys saw that. No, uh, I didn't catch that. Okay, he had a bit part in that as a preacher. Mm-hmm. Caius Lucius, the his Fondy Curtis Hall, the Daredevil TV show. Oh, okay, we watched the first season of that. What is his name? Uh, Fondy Curtis, Curtis Hall. Hall. 
Yeah, I think he's just kind of like one of those guys just where you, things, where you yeah. sort of recognize him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he had a recurring role on ER. I'm sure I saw that. Oh, he played Scanlan's friend once on Medium. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was in Die Hard 2. Hmm. Die Hard 2 is not the best of those movies. But anyway. Well... Well, so he's just in a yeah, lot of Yeah, we things. know him from stuff. Oh, he was in Eve's Bayou. That's a dark movie. I don't know that one. It's a Samuel L. Jackson movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, from the late 90s would wreck if you're trying to like watch all of Samuel L. Jackson's movies. That's a lot. Okay, that that's, would be that's, that's a, a project. real undertaking. Yeah, that yeah. would be Doing like... Doing Ethan Hawke movies is one thing. Doing yeah. Samuel L. Jackson movies, that's like, you know, eight a year. Half of your show would just be Marvel movies. <laughs> That's, That's true. true. Yeah. yeah. He just does so He's, many movies. Yeah. It would be like Spike Lee and Marvel. Yeah. Just all of it. And then like Deep Blue. Tarantino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Deep Blue. What was that? Deep Blue Sea or something like the ocean. Blue Ocean. I don't know. I he was in this like, one. he was in this like junkie shark movie where he, spoilers, gets eaten by a shark at the end. Huh. It's like a story. I think it's Deep Blue Sea. Something. Yeah. It's something like that. It's a, it's a sort of like, there's a couple of them. It's sort of like a sci-fi Jaws, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, but, you know, it's... I mean, those movies are always fun. fun like the, yeah. the the Meg. I remember seeing the trailer for The Meg. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I want to see this. <laughs> I really did want to see The Meg. I, it's Yeah, it's on my list still. Um, yeah, I have a really funny picture of me. You know how in, like, movie theaters, sometimes they have those, like, cardboard cutouts oh, that are, yeah, like, you yeah, can yeah. stand in yeah. and take a photo of? So I was in, um, like... Denmark and there was one of those in a movie theater in <laughs> the Denmark <laughs> for the Meg and so yeah there's a really funny picture of me standing in a raincoat in the Meg uh, mm. mouth yeah the yeah. Danish just love shark movies yeah um yeah unfortunately the Meg wasn't playing while I was there we saw Mamma Mia 2 here we go again um with uh with Danish subtitles nice yeah um yeah so where were we in Cymbeline um Oh yeah, so then they the yeah, so Ethan Hawke and Penn Badgley and the other guy whose name we don't know, um, are all taken by the the biker gang, and also the cops find Dakota Johnson like lying there, and they find yeah. out that she, she like she has a pulse at this point. She's just kind of lying there, grief stricken, I think. Yeah. Um. So then they take her in, but then they get called into this big shootout that's happening which conveniently brings Dakota Johnson to where every other major character is. And the voice, the voice coming from, they're like, they're getting the call on their like police radio Mm -hmm. and it's like in Shakespearean like language. Yes. Which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. It's consistent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is when Penn Badgley's all like trussed up on a, a kitchen table. I don't know. I was confused because I thought it was a public storage uh, facility it said public storage in the background but then it was like he was it was like it a was kitchen. a kitchen yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah. what can you do um <laughs> multi-use, multi-use. <laughs> yeah it was zoned for uh, multiple purposes yeah so um yeah and this is where we see kevin corrigan who lets him go but then he's like taking him outside to be executed basically um and uh, while we're outside, we learn a lot of things while everyone's outside in the big shootout. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone's everyone got something to reveal right now. Yeah, 
uh, Mila Jovovich died of horror when she learns about Anton Yelchin's death on the news. Yeah. Um, so they bring the body to there also. But then uh, the veterinarian reveals that she was going to poison someone and that um, she also never loved Ed Harris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then, um, the whole plot is revealed, and everyone tells their own part of the, the, the story. Ethan Hawke, t- you know, explains, like, oh, no, 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 I never had sex with her, everything's fine, um, and, uh, yeah, and then, um, Valarius is there, yeah, and because he, he and the sons that. helped the gang to, to take down right, the cops, right. Um, but then he reveals like, oh, I raised these boys at my own, but as my own, but actually they're yours here. Have them back after like 15 years. And they just go to him. They just like, go. Oh, yeah. Like they don't even, yeah, they're not, there's no like, wait, but you're my real dad. Yeah. Yeah. But what can you do? We house broke them. Have them back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know that they're going to be like these two. I mean, not the this is even matters but like (laughs) these two boys that were raised as like communists to live off the land and like you know like i don't see them really getting on board with the whole biking life i gotta say um but that's a a problem for cymbeline too yeah (laughs) um maybe like a bicycle gang life but not a not a motorcycle (laughs) gang life um yeah, and so then everything's fine in the end, and <laughs> yeah, Dakota Johnson, just kind of works. Out. Yeah, and they just they just are like, oh, okay, we're gonna start paying off the police for real now. We have a deal. Yeah, and then Dakota Johnson and Penn Badgley ride off on a motorcycle into the sunset, basically, and then we see his uh, his art. Oh, he earlier I don't think we talked about this, but earlier in the movie we saw him make like a wood carving like art. Yeah, thing. like a wood wood block. Wood block, yeah. Painting, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it says "Fear No More," and it's like a skeleton face, like the guy we see at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. in the costume, and a woman, and it's representative of them or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then it says "Anarchy." Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think this movie is also like has two names. Right. It's Cymbeline and Anarchy. It's known as both names. Yeah, which just made me think of like something that like uh, what's his name. The guy that did those movies. I'm completely <laughs> Which blanking. movies? Describe the them. Climax. Oh, Gaspar Noé. Yeah, something he yeah. would do with like the uh-huh. just a word yeah. that pops at you. True. Um, yeah, I actually, about Anarchy specifically, I thought it was interesting. I was reading a review of this that was comparing it to the show Sons of Anarchy on FX, which is also about a biker gang. And that's actually apparently a, a Hamlet adaptation, which I never oh, knew. Oh, really? Yeah. That's fun. I didn't yeah. know that. I've never seen that show. It's been on my list forever. There's too much television to watch, too many movies, you know, yeah. there's just too much. But anyway, so that was Cymbeline. Um, it was fine. <laughs> All right, I don't feel like our our boy Ethan really got to shine as much as I I like him too, you mm-hmm. know. But he was fine. He yeah, was, it's just kind of a creepy story. Yeah, it is a weird story. Yeah, and then everything works out, but then he does. Yeah, every everyone is doing something bad, and then everything just turns out to be okay, mm-hmm. more or less. Besides the people that died. Yeah. Well, how did you feel, Dakota? What's your overall review? 
Uh, well, like we were kind of talking about, I feel like it was definitely rushed. Like there was just so much. I feel like there's so much focus on the relationship of of Posthumus and Imogen that the rest of the story just kind of got neglected. Mm. When in reality, it seems like the story was sort of revolving around this, you know gang war that was happening between the bikers and the cops and that sort of thing but like very quickly it got pushed to the background to strictly focus on the relationship aspect of these two characters and then they kept trying to like reintroduce that sort of gang war aspect and you're just like all right but like i don't really care because you didn't spend enough time really setting it up in what exactly happened to these characters while we were away because clearly time had been elapsing but they weren't really filling us in yeah. and then it's like oh and yeah Mila Jovovich is dead yeah and it's like wait what you miss like that whole part of aspect of like where she was clearly I guess trying to con her way into the throne and all this sort of stuff it's like where did all of that go to it yeah. it definitely felt like it was lacking because of that despite the fact that I think aspects of it did work mm-hmm. so everything that worked was sort of reversed by everything that the movie did wrong right Mm -hmm. is it is it do they did did they do you know if this is like abridged do they or is this the entire play i don't know i mean because i because i think that's i don't know but like i was reading like the the wikipedia description of the actual play and there was like so much i was like oh that makes so much more sense Mm -hmm. like the reason why she wanted the queen wanted anton yelchin's character to marry um, Imogen was because it would strengthen her claim to the throne because otherwise she's just the second wife with the stepchild uh-huh. and so neither of them are technically legitimate in the eyes of the crown and so I'm like oh that would have been nicer if that was sort of explained right, a little bit right, better right. Mm-hmm. yeah because I think that sometimes these plays are like which is why she was also trying to kill the king right I think sometimes these plays are like a little longer than the yeah it's so I mean it's hard to kind of bridge them yeah yeah. Which I guess is hard to do. I didn't see do. anything about that, but I do know is it like adapted by Michael Almorada as well. So Yeah, so I'm assuming that maybe they Skipped cut some it. things out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I guess is probably hard to do, especially when there's so many characters. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, a lesser real known ensemble. play. And it's a lesser known play. Like I feel like people are less it's easier to watch like Hamlet or whatever, Romeo and Juliet, where Mm-hmm. One, the story is more coherent to begin with. Mm-hmm. Two, it's a better known story, so you kind of it's easier to follow, I feel like. Whereas here it's not as well known of a story. There are a billion characters and they seem to have cut out some things that would have maybe made it make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But this idea of like Romeo and Juliet with a happier ending for me is like that whole quarry pit burial thing, you know. Juliet thinks that her Romeo is dead because his head was cut off, so she goes to kill herself. But in reality, it's not real poison. And then she wakes up and ends up getting reunited with him, and he doesn't know it's her, so he tries to beat her off or whatever. And then they finally realize who they are, and then they can drive off happily into a sunset, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really did feel like Romeo and Juliet with a happy ending for me for that aspect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was like kind of like a like Hamlet too, <laughs> but for Romeo and Juliet, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll like, fix it. It wanted to be a tragedy, but it didn't commit to the tragedy aspect because you know with Shakespeare, it's either you're either a tragedy or you're a comedy, and this wasn't clearly wasn't a comedy. 
and it felt like it was only going halfway with the tragedy and then just decided to make everything better. Be like, oh, really, there's only one bad person. Everyone's safe now. Yeah, yeah. It was a weird story. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, do you have something you'd like to share with us now? Sure. It's time for a hawk fact. Uh, Dakota, would you like to do a Ooh. hawk noise? Very good, very good. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't exactly sure how I wanted to connect it to the plot itself, uh-huh. but um, I decided that you know this movie has Ed Harris, mm-hmm. um, and one type of hawk is a Harris hawk. Right. Yes, we do know this. Yes. So, so Harris hawks are kind of interesting because they're um, they're very social. So they actually like they they hunt together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hunt in groups. They like hang out together. Um, and one of the most interesting things that they do is called uh, stacking or backstacking or backstanding, uh-huh. which is literally they just stand on each other's backs. That's wild. And then they just like, <laughs> and it's not really clear why they do that. It's maybe that so they can see a little bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> or they're providing shade for the other one or something like that. Um, and yeah, they can be there for a while. There's, there's one from Audubon.org that says, sometimes it's several birds stacked up in totem pole style. In fact, she's read a report of a stack five hawks high. Wow. The behavior seems to be unrelated to mating. Some of observers believe it has to do with one bird wanting the other's perch. Others think the top bird provides shade for the others. But the fact is, like much else about this fascinating bird, backstanding remains a mystery. So it's just a weird thing that uh, Harris hawks do. Not a lot of other birds really do that. Not a lot of other hawks are as social as Harris hawks. Um, there are a few birds of prey that are uh, aplomato falcons, sometimes hunt in pairs, as do peregrine falcons and golden eagles. But none of these raptors match the Harris hawks when it comes to coordinating a kill. So they're they're just they hang out in groups and uniquely hunt social. Yeah, hmm. and this is kind of the oh wow fun. You want to show yeah. that to Dakota? There, is there a photo yeah. of this? Because yeah. I, I I like have an idea in my head. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's even weirder than I thought. <laughs> it was gonna be. Okay, yeah. I think you're gonna need to share a picture of that when you post Definitely. this episode. Definitely yeah. will do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, ah, I'm a king hawk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe something about. I I don't know how I could make this relevant to the plot, but it doesn't have to um, be. It's okay. So that's just a fun thing about Harris hawks, and that's courtesy of Audubon.org, frequent source for me. So nice. Well, that was a great fact. Thank you, Jonathan. Hmm um yeah do we have any any final thoughts on cymbeline or ethan hawk or anything <laughs> i don't know it was a weird one it was a weird, weird one. one yeah well are you are you still gonna do like your your favorite ethan lines oh, oh i don't think or, like, we... the most i didn't ethan i don't think i actually took anything yeah, down for that yeah. let me see did you have one well i got something oh, yeah okay. cool. i i thanks for this isn't so much an ethan hawk line of what I think of him, but more so the performance mm. of the mm-hmm. line. So the the very first scene that we meet Ethan when he's in this bar and he's, oh no, sorry, not the first scene. Uh, after he claims to have seduced Imogen and he is meeting up with uh, Posthumus to basically 
say that he won uh, and he's describing, oh yeah, and I look at these photos that I took and all this sort of stuff. And then he points to the bracelet on his wrist that he took from her, that he stole from her because she did not give it to him. But he says, she gave it to me. She gave it me. She said she prized it once. And the way he sort of says it with like this smarmy nonchalance mm-hmm. really gave me like an Ethan Hawke vibe of like from other stuff because he like kind of shrugs the line off like oh yeah she gave it me once uh, she said she prized it before and this is sort of like an attitude that really made me think of him and other characters yeah mm-hmm. yeah I could see that for sure yeah, yeah and there was there was one there was we were talking about um this Shakespeare the PBS Shakespeare thing before right. And then, so there was something about a review of one of his Shakespeare performances that he was like a, I don't remember exactly what it was, but like he was a, like a sneering, moody. Yeah, muttering. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 So I guess, that, I think that's kind of how maybe he approaches certain Shakespeare characters. Yeah. He's just more of a Hamlet than he is any other Shakespeare character. He's mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, his performance style fits into a type, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find it interesting that he that Ethan Hawke got top billing for this movie, even though he's I want is he the biggest actor in this? Like I would consider maybe Ed Harris or Mila Jovovich mm-hmm. to be, you know, both big. They're both more of a lead than him. Dakota Johnson I know wasn't as big then, but the Penn Badgley was technically the lead character, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I would Yet say Ethan Hawke is on the poster. Yeah. yeah. I, um, think Ethan, I mean, this was shortly after, like, Boyhood, right? Yeah, Boyhood and Before Midnight had both just yeah. come out. So I think maybe he was kind of... He was just kind of riding a high at this yeah, point. And yeah. also, um, he Ooh. was the first... I was looking at the, like, production um, stuff about this movie, and he was the first actor that was cast um, who, like, signed on to the movie. Then they got Ed Harris after that because Ed Harris wanted to work opposite Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. um, which they don't really do that much. Um, and then after that, they, you know, so Ethan Hawke was kind of the, the like link to getting other people to sign on to this movie. It was him, then Ed Harris, then John Leguizamo, then Mila Jovovich, and then like Dakota Johnson and Penn Badgley were a bunch later. Uh Uh-huh. And the guy that directed this also directed the Hamlet, right? Hamlet, yeah. yeah. And Tesla, which we haven't seen yet. Oh, okay. And I don't know when and how we'll be able to see it, but hopefully (laughs) we'll get to see it at some point. Um, Yeah, I assume he probably just wanted to work with the same guy because yeah. i think that's just kind of what he i i imagine ethan hawk's actually like pretty cool to work like it, like enjoyable and easy to work with because probably yeah because he keeps he, coming back with the same people he has and a he lot usually of repeat. kind of sticks up for them and stuff so yeah uses his star power to to back them definitely which is cool and i think that you know you see like john leguizamo i he probably wanted to be a part of this because of you know he had worked with ethan hawk a few times before so yeah yeah. And he was he in um, Romeo plus Juliet? Did I imagine that? Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. he was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I'm been a, it's sure been a while. A... I, I've been a while since I've seen that. Yeah, one. I don't think I've seen that since like. I might have seen it in high school, middle and then school. I was like, "Oh, this is cool." Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't know exactly how I'd feel about it now, but I remember in high school being like, "Oh man, the yeah. long sword. It's like a long <laughs> gun. <laughs> it's the name of the gun." <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, I don't know. I reserve all my Baz Luhrmann viewings for watching Moulin Rouge hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, I've been Harper. You can find me on the internet at Harping About. Um, and something I've been enjoying lately outside of Ethan Hawke is I watched um, Hearts Beat Loud this morning. It was a really sweet indie movie with Nick Offerman and 
uh, Tony Collette and um, Ted Danson was in it too. There were a lot of people in this movie. Blythe Danner. I don't know. It was a, it was a, it was a sweet little movie about a father and a daughter. Father's Day is coming up, or probably around the time this episode comes out, it'll be Father's oh, Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, a nice movie to if you're quarantining with your dad, watch <laughs> this movie together. It's uh, Hearts Beat Loud. It's on Hulu. Nice. I think I saw Nick Offerman around the time that this movie was coming out i think he maybe was doing a q a at the landmark or something mm-hmm. yeah i remember yeah because re- he was just, he was like standing like just talking to someone and i was like going down the escalator and i was like oh that's nick offerman, that's nick offerman. yeah <laughs> that's so west la of you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah where can the people find you jonathan and what have you been enjoying uh okay i'm jonathan you can find me on instagram and letterboxd at john Savaletta. i think i've been enjoying um i have started reading harry potter <laughs> uh i read like i my mom read the first one to us when we were like kids mm-hmm. and then like i started the second one and i just i just never like finished it and so i've never read any of the books um in full have you seen the movies? i've seen the movies yeah yeah so i know this i know the story more or less but uh, oh, but I've, there's just so much more in the text <laughs> though <laughs> well i'm i'm yeah well i'm i'm on chapter six or something like that about 100 pages mm-hmm. in so you know, pretty easy to read. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice. Because um, I just got off something kind of dense. So this is nice. But yeah, so that's what I'm reading. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. Yeah. Cool. Um, Dakota, where can the people find you? Uh, what have you been enjoying? And do you have anything else to plug? Oh, um, I guess I'll, I'll do the plug first. Uh, you can listen to my show, ContraZoom Pod. Um uh, Twitter or Instagram, that's all ContraZoom pod. And so it's always about movies. Each episode's kind of a different subject matter. Uh, sometimes I'll do reoccurring episodes, but for the most part, it's all over the place. Uh, I talked about just did an A24 episode. I did two of them. I did a history of and then our top 10. Nice. So usually whenever I choose a, a show topic, I kind of get super in-depth and that kind of consumes my life for about a week or two. So I was watching tons of A24 movies, which was a ton of fun. And then my next episode that's coming out, which will probably be out before this one comes out, uh, Hot Docs, which is a festival in Toronto about uh, documentaries. I got uh, some screeners for that. So I was watching different documentaries. That was a lot of fun. And then I'm currently prepping an episode about uh, queer cinema. So I'm you know, trying to catch up on, on different queer movies that I haven't seen before and, and do my homework for that. That's cool. In preparation so I'm, I'm kind of all over the place like whatever is my next episode idea that's what i'm mm-hmm. all about that's cool <laughs> very nice yeah i'd be interested to know what your your queer cinema watch list is uh i i have a lot of i can i can give you a, su- a few names yeah no i just i it's a genre that i'm very uh, passionate about so i yeah mm-hmm well, there was, there was some that I, I had already seen, so I kind of made two lists. I made a list of movies that I had seen and then a list of ones that I hadn't seen that I, I deemed sort of important uh, for different reasons. Um, so ones I'm looking at, like I, I sort of broke it down because I want to try to be as inclusive as possible. So I want to watch uh, gay films, lesbian films, bisexual films, transgendered films, and then anything that would be just defined as queer mm-hmm. in general without being specific to to one end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. so for like ones i hadn't seen like on lesbian films would be but i'm a cheerleader or desert hearts 
uh, gay films being Brokeback Mountain, which I'd never seen, Philadelphia, which I just watched in preparation two nights ago. Um, some bisexual films would be like E Tu Mama Tambien oh, or yeah. The Dreamers. Oh, I love The Dreamers. Uh, transgendered films. Yeah, sorry. That's... Oh, I've never seen oh, that okay. one. okay. It's... Uh, some transgendered films being like A Fantastic Woman or All About My Mother. Just like... I made a list of like 25 movies. I'm like, I haven't seen any of these. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to watch them all. So I'll just like narrow it down to like mm. five because my list of that I have seen had already been somewhat significant. Have you seen uh, Tangerine? Okay. Yes, I did. And James Ransone was in uh, was in this movie. Was in Cymbeline. Uh-huh. Mm. Nice. He was uh, one of Ethan Hawke's friends. Uh, no, I guess he was Penn Badgley's friend. He had the beard, but he played the the pimp in Tango. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Nice. Cool. Lot, there's a lot of characters. Yeah, a lot of characters <laughs> so, yeah. in Cymbeline, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, nice, I'm, cool. I, yeah. well, I'm very excited for you to watch, but I'm a cheerleader because that's like one of my favorite movies, actually. It's it's very, yeah. Oh, yeah? It's a great okay, movie. Good. It's like visually very interesting and the performances are good and it's very camp. It's uh, it's great. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm aiming for that to come out around uh, Global Pride Day, which I believe is set as June 27th. So it'll probably come out uh, a week or so before that in preparation. Awesome. Nice. That's great. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dakota. This was uh, this was a fun, a fun trip, <laughs> fun chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you were able to to cross the border and come up to Canada to talk with <laughs> me. Uh, I've had both of you on on my show, but we've never actually chatted before, so it's nice that we actually get yeah, to it's talk good to for see once. you face yeah. to face uh, in Canada. Of course, yeah. <laughs> 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 Alrighty, well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Good night. All right.